HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We do more varieties and flavors of cheese than anywhere else on earth. By pushing the boundaries of what cheese can and should be, find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Well, hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Terry Bayer. It is Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. This is our 302nd episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a longtime journalist and the executive director of the nonprofit Roar, based in New York City, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to train for what you want to achieve. Sure, sometimes good fortune just happens in life without much effort, which is really nice. But in reality, most things take a bit of time and energy and training to reach our goals. Putting in the work is key to accomplishing greatness, whether it's personal or professional. So let's invest in ourselves and seek out the best training programs and then stick with it. If we stay on course, the results will come, guaranteed. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm super excited to have my guest joining me. It is Andrea Strong, the executive director of Roar, a nonprofit founded in New York City in March 2020 by a group of industry professionals impassioned to fight for the unemployed restaurant workers facing financial hardship and to advocate for an industry in crisis. Over the course of her career, Andrea has been a lawyer, a restaurant manager, a waitress, a farmhand, a humanitarian activist, and for two decades, a journalist known for her pioneering food blog, The Strong Buzz. She recently co-authored the cookbook, Good For You, Bold Flavors with Benefits, with Chef Akhtar Nawab, and has been a voice on improving school food programs, including founding 
the New York City Healthy School Food Alliance in 2018. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hi, Shari. Oh, that was such a sweet and amazing introduction. Thank you. It's so much fun to be here with you after, like, I feel like we've known each other pretty much, like, since high school at this point, even though it's only been, like, it's been 20 years, right? Yes. We were were in high school 20 years ago. We were. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I I was, you started the Strong Buzz was in 2003, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, because that's when I started Bayer Public Relations. So, oh, okay. Yeah, we and we have. I mean, yeah, we've been working together and known each other mm-hmm. since at least since then, if not before. Yeah. So um, let's let's go back a little even before that, though, and maybe tell us a bit how you started out with your career because I know you were practicing law and you made you made a little yeah. switcheroo. I did. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a crazy story. Yeah. I went to Brooklyn Law School um, and I worked at as a corporate lawyer um, and was pretty quickly disenchanted, um, like many corporate lawyers, um, and decided after about five years of working um, as a lawyer that I really liked going to restaurants and really did not like being a corporate lawyer. And um, I was trying to figure out how I might get more involved in the restaurant world and um, and also make some sort of positive impact on the world because I felt sort of like um, as a corporate lawyer, I was not doing anything good for the world. Um, so I, I joined Share Our Strength and started working on their um, Taste of the Nation event um, pro bono, just like volunteering on the event committee. And that's where I met so many people who are still good friends today. Um, Stephen Hall, um, Danny Meyer, Drew Porrent, Michael LaMonaco, Jennifer Baum. Um, and I was just put in the room with all of these iconic, amazing restaurateurs and hospitality professionals. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I have to work in this business. And um, after a couple of years of volunteering for Share Our Strength, I approached um, Drew and said, you know, would you give me a job? I think I want to run a restaurant and maybe one day like work in a restaurant. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Come on down. So um, I had just turned 30. I had just run the marathon for the first time. And now I'm running it again for the second time, but we can get to that. Um, and I quit my job at the law firm and started um, at Tribeca Grill as a hostess. And did their management training program, ended up working in front of the house in restaurants for three and a half, four years, opening opening a restaurant called Isla with Beatrice Stein and Diane Gitto, and um, then managing Miracle Grill, and then feeling like, you know, this hospitality industry thing is a lot harder than I thought it was, and I don't know that I have the hospitality gene, so hats off to everyone who does. Um and I wasn't sure what the next step would be. And I saw an ad in the New York Times sponsored by the Culinary Institute of America for an essay contest to write about how you ended up in the hospitality industry. And I figured, you know, one of the things I loved about being a lawyer was writing. Um, I've always loved storytelling. And I was like, I'll just write this essay. And, you know, the first prize was a trip to Greystone. And I'll, yeah, okay. So I end up winning this contest. and. Um, one of the judges of the contest is 
a friend of a friend and gets in touch with me and is like, we have an opening at Restaurant Business Magazine. We need an associate food editor. Would you like to be a food writer? And I was like, uh, yes, yes, I would. I will do that. Uh, you know, I've never written anything other than like motions and briefs and research memos, right? And she was like, no problem. Come on down. We'll give you a, a test. You know, I'm sure you can do it. And she was right. So thank you to Paula Disbro for giving me that opportunity. Um, and I ended up, you know, from there, that was 20 years in journalism that just came to a close a few months ago when I joined Roar. Wow. Amazing. It's like, I feel I knew, like I knew your background story, but just maybe I didn't know all those details for sure. And it's, it's just, it's bringing me back to, I mean, I had volunteered with uh, Taste of the Nation as well. I feel like we were always kind of crossing paths. Yeah. And such a great group. Yeah. It really yeah. changed my life. You know, yes. you never know what's going to change your life, what decision you're going to make or, you know, yeah, and working with Drew, I mean, it's it's really it's it's I love I love your story and how you you got into food writing and then so then what inspired you to start the Strong Buzz because really I mean now yeah. yes I don't even know if, you know there's lots of people writing online about food and blogs mm -hmm. but back then it was very rare to or I mean you're I consider yeah. you I think everyone considers you to be the first in our world. Yeah, I think um, it's nice to hear that. I do feel like I was a pioneer of the food blog. I called myself a food blogging dinosaur. I am. I was the <laughs> first. Um, and really, you know, it was just about, I was a freelancer and I wanted more editors to see my work and I needed more work. You know, you're, we, we all have been there, you know, rents are high. It's expensive to live in the city and um, and I also was going out a lot. I, I, I was single. I loved restaurants. I still do. Um, and I felt like I had maybe something to say that someone might be interested in. And, um, I met someone named Harvey Criesworth, who's still a friend today. And, um, I was like, you know, I feel like I should have a website, you know, there's this web thing happening now and I could have a website that would have my bio and then I could write a restaurant review every week. And then also I could share anything that I've written in a newsletter. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I can help you build that. So he did. And, you know, there was no WordPress or Wix or Square or anything. He built this from code and a dream. And we put the Strong Buzz together. And I wrote some stuff and I pressed send. And there was a sign up link. And all of a sudden people were signing up. And then PR people were pitching me and saying, oh, could you include this on the Strong Buzz? And I had a calendar of events and I had, you know, industry news and openings. And like people were like, oh, well, you know, Strong Buzz can't be first. Grub Street, yeah, no, there was no Grub Street. It, I, it was like all of a sudden it was a thing. And I, I really didn't expect it. Um, you know, it was the first and then came Eater and, and, and the rest. And, and quite honestly, they've done it a lot better than me because they were able to monetize it. And I, I was just like, oh, this is a fun hobby. I love it. Um, but it was really great. And um, it gave me a voice. And, um, you know, I was also able to use the Strong Buzz and that following for good, even, you know, back in 2006, 2007, when there was uh, a genocide happening in Darfur and 
um, something I was reading about a lot in, in Nicholas Kristof's columns. And I was really, you know, horrified by this genocide and, you know, not on our watch and this should never happen again. And yet it was happening again. And because I had a platform with the Strong Buzz, I said, you know what, I'm going to organize a fundraiser. And it, I called it Dining for Darfur. I um, got restaurants from across the world to sign up on a web page on my website to donate 10% of proceeds from one night's dinner that was called Dining for Darfur. And it all went to the International Rescue Committee. And so I feel like even then, I, I've always sort of tried to bring it back to giving back in some way because, you know, we're all in this together and we need to support each other and take care of each other. And, and at the end of the day, that is what hospitality is, right? Taking care of each other. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and as a PR person, certainly had to pitch you, <laughs> had to try to get my client's news in on the strong buzz. It was important. Um, yeah, that's so, true. yeah. And, and yeah. it's nice to reminisce about it. It was a fun, fun time. Yeah. Well, and then you took you took a little break with it. I know you had kids mm -hmm. and you sort of I mean, yeah. uh, and then you got involved, though, with with advocacy work. And mm -hmm. we could let's fast forward a little to, to yeah. you joining Roar, because that I mean, as soon as I saw the announcement that they brought you on as executive director. I was just like, yes, that's perfect. That's awesome. Go Andrew. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. It really felt like the stars had aligned. Um, if I could have written a job description of what I wanted to do next in my career, it would have been this job. Um, I'm, I am working to support an industry that I have covered as a reporter for 20 years that I love that I care deeply about, you know, I have such long, as you do, like long-standing deep connections with chefs and operators in New York City, um, you know, many of whom are like family to me. And to support the industry and be able to work with the, the 13 members of our steering committee who are just phenomenal uh, people and business people and dynamic and inspiring um, to take the industry in New York City to the next level. And we are we are really going to be attempting to transform our industry to make it much more sustainable for operators, a much healthier and um, supportive environment for workers. And that includes changing wage structure, offering mental health care. We just launched an initiative today, um, a partnership with COA, which is a mental health gym. And we will be offering um, a free Q&A with the COA mental health therapist on October 13th. And for as many restaurant workers as want to sign up. And then on that call, we're, we're going to be launching our emotional wellness program, which again is going to be offered for free to restaurant workers to sign up for this eight-week class to help with their mental health. And we have a whole suite of, of services that we want to offer restaurant workers and an advocacy platform, again, to change wage laws so that we can pay our restaurant workers better so that tips can be shared between front and back of the house so there can be more equity there. And, and to be part of this conversation uh, with legislators and electeds and policymakers is just, you know, a dream come true for me. And uh, I'm really so excited about this role. So I am um, and, yeah. and so excited to be able to share 
a little bit of what we're doing with your listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, let's take us back a little bit to um, explaining what what Roar is for people who don't know. I know I gave a little a sure. little thing on it in my intro, and I'm familiar with it because I live in New York City, and mm-hmm. of course I'm like always aware or involved in what's happening in the hospitality community. And I know people like Sean Feeney and Dana Cowan, mm-hmm. people actually past guests of the show, have are are like the founding the founders, yeah, members of of the organization. So. So explain to people yeah. a bit like what Roar stands for and, and how it started and, and the initiatives, also the things that have happened mm-hmm. over the past year that you guys have been able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So Roar was founded in March 2020 by, as you said, Sean Feeney of um, Lilia and Missy, Dana Cowan of Speaking Broadly and former editor-in-chief of Food & Wine, Camilla Marcus, who owns Westbourne, and Adam Safer of Eatily. And they came together um, to support unemployed restaurant workers and to advocate for an industry in crisis. They raised over $3 million in the course of one year, which was given out in uh, cash grants to any unemployed restaurant worker. Um, And they organized the first ever free mobile vaccine bus that went to restaurant communities that were hardest hit by COVID. Today we have... We have um, vaccinated 50,000 New Yorkers in the mobile vaccine bus. We were also instrumental in securing outdoor dining to go alcohol sales, testifying in favor of the PPP and Restaurant Revitalization Fund. And as the year came to a close, the the founders were really considering, you know what, were we just a crisis um, organization that was founded to sort of to, to support the, the unemployed restaurant workers or or were there issues that existed in the industry that we might still want to tackle? And they, they went with the, the latter, that, that there were problems um, in the industry endemic to the hospitality industry that needed to be solved. And that's why they hired me to help guide and steer them um, through the next phase. And we're really dividing our um, our focus in two buckets. The first is wage reform. We're calling it the Restaurant Equity Project, and that's legislative and policy reform that we're working with our lobbying firm Kassir on. And you know, really looking at what what has happened to workers. They're not coming back to our industry, and why is that? It's because wages are too low. It's because there's a lot of inequity between front and back of the house. Um, And restaurants have not been supported enough by our city and state governments in order to allow us to pay better wages. Every every operator wants to take care of their workers. We are only as strong as the people who make our food and serve our food. Our success is dependent on our team and our teams need to be better supported. But as you know, restaurant margins are extremely thin, 4% if you're lucky. So any increase in labor cost is going to, where do you get that money from? If you want to pay higher wages, you have to pass it along to the consumer. You have to raise menu prices. And that really, there's only so much people are willing to pay for a roast chicken or a, a beautiful whole fish. I mean, so what we are advocating for is subsidies to support and buoy the restaurant industry 
coming out of a huge financial crisis. Uh, we want more tax credits. We want to see a change in the property tax laws and the employee retention tax credit. Um, we want to see tip sharing between front and back of the house, uh, which is now prohibit, which is prohibited in New York City, and we are the only state um, that prohibits tip sharing. Uh, so we're advocating to change that law so that there can be less disparity between front and back of the house, especially when that disparity falls along racial lines. So that's the first bucket, the advocacy platform. And, and the second bucket that we're focused on is also for the benefit of re restaurant workers, really supporting their mental, physical, and financial health. So what does that mean? That means that we'll be partnering with groups like the first one that we've partnered with, COA, which is a mental health gym, um, to offer free or reduced price therapy for restaurant workers. And again, October 13th is the first free event. It's Q&A. Um, and you can sign up on the Roar website. Um, and I can share that link with you shortly. Um, the second is we'll be, we're, we're going to have... Um, uh, financial gym memberships as well so that restaurant workers can get help with retirements and uh, wills and, and, you know, just basic savings, like how to, how to structure your bank account, like things that people in like, quote, uh, corporate jobs have tons of access to that restaurant workers don't. We are also going to um, create free and discounted access to um, while we can't offer insurance because we're not an employer, we are working with Oyster Sunday to roll out a suite of free or discounted um, preventative and ca catastrophic healthcare plans, um, access to, to discounted meditation apps and culinary services. So that war members can come and, and right now, you know, anyone can join more. It's there's no no barrier to entry, just show up on our website and browse around. Kenny, um, a question on that. When you say mm -hmm. anyone, is it meant for just people who work in restaurants or or just people in the hospitality industry in general? Um, the programs are meant for people who work in restaurants, yes, front and back of the house. In And in New York, I was... In New York right now, right. yes. Okay. Um and uh, so, so yeah, so the vision, as you can see, is really to lift up and take care of our industry. Let's take care of our, our teams. Let's take care of our, our owners and operators so that they can be properly subsidized and supported with tax credits to pay better wages. And let's take care of the mental and physical health of the people working in the industry. And when you check all those boxes, you will transform an industry from a place where people really didn't want to go back to work to a place where people feel really good working. Um, and that's our, that's our agenda to really dig deep and make transformative change for a sustainable future for the hospitality industry. I, I mean, it's a beautiful agenda in my opinion. Thank <laughs> really you. Yeah. I like it too. <laughs> no, it's really, I mean, everything you said, it's just all good stuff. And, and, and I think the industry, you know, needs it, you know, I mean, I guess you think the silver linings that came out of this pandemic where things like this were born and people came together and with good initiatives. So. Absolutely. Um, 
um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for everything you're working on. And um, I know I also saw you have um, a roundtable coming up, some events you're doing. Yeah, we we have a roundtable happening October eighth uh, with our partners at the new downtown Brooklyn Ace Hotel. I don't know if you've been there yet, Sherry. No, it's on my list, and I was planning to. Uh, there's an event um, coming up with Cherry Bomb. I know that um, I signed up mm-hmm. for. So, but I need to look. Yeah, into it's gorgeous. Event. It's really um, beautiful, gorgeous space. Obviously, their hotels are so beautiful. Um, so, we're doing a series of three events with them. The first is October eighth, and this one was was inspired by uh, a story that I reported for New York Magazine about the Rockaway Hotel. Um, and to, to make a long story short, the folks who opened the Rockaway Hotel are actually from the Rockaways. And rather than opening this, you know, gorgeous boutique hotel, um, char- you know, that charges quite high, um, you know, it's a boutique hotel this fancy place in a, in a relatively poor neighborhood and just opening what they said was, you know, we're going to, we want our community to be empowered by what we're doing here and to be included in the, the, um, the positive impact that we are going to make here. So they, they launched a 10 week free hospitality training program with Beatrice Stein, who is a hospitality industry consultant And they opened it up to anyone in the Rockaways, age 17 or older, to come and do this free training once a week for three hours on Monday night. And then they held a job fair and they committed to hiring 100 team members from the Rockaways. And then they also invited other hospitality industry people to come and hire. And especially now where we're in such a staffing crisis, um, I I thought that was just Brilliant. And beyond the hiring, they they also do um, free swimming classes for kids in the neighborhood because the Rockaway is a great beach, but it has strong currents and there are, have been some drowning deaths there. And they were like, we have this gorgeous swimming pool. Every morning, we're going to have kids come here and learn to swim free of charge. Anyone can come. Just come and swim. They, they ha- hired an artist to paint a beautiful mural on the public school blacktop across the street from the hotel. So Terrence and Jeff and Michi, who are the owners there, they're really investing in the community. And so our panel on October 8th is really focused on how hospitality can empower communities and make change in underemployed, unemployed, and marginalized communities. And in addition to uh, Jeff Brossi from the Rockaway Hotel, Beatrice Stein will be there. She has a nonprofit called the Hospitality Project, and she will be... Um, uh, she will be there as well as Christopher Means. So we're going to talk about how hospitality can can be a, a force for change and and to create. You know, we have all this this labor shortage in the hospitality industry, and all of these people who are underemployed or unemployed. Let's you know solve one problem by solving the other. Wow, that's I mean that's that's awesome, and this is so. Um, I don't know, coincidental or small world stuff. But just the other day, I mm-hmm. finally took the, a ferry ride out to Rockaway because I'd been meaning to do it forever. And I stumbled across the Rockaway Hotel and I had lunch poolside. I like had a Isn't working. Amazing. 
Yes, and 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 I asked all about all about. I mean, the hotel is gorgeous, and the I mean, it was a weekday, so the, there weren't that many people there. But um, I was I was really um, excited to be there, and didn't know all of that that you just said about their what they're doing with the community. But that's really amazing, yeah. and um, it's yeah, it's amazing. I had a I had a wonderful lunch there, and I was just I was you know glad that I had visited. So I look forward to going back and um, and your panel. It's um, the eighth, right? October eighth. Cool. Yes, yes, October eighth at the Ace Hotel, and tickets um, tickets are on sale now. Um, you can check out our Instagram for the link. Um, great. And we'll be doing another one on November, on November 8th about mental health in the hospitality industry. And then December 8th about our wage reform package and how we envision, um, you know, changing the wage laws in New York city to support workers and restaurant owners. Cool. Very Lots of exciting stuff. Yes. Yes. And all with delicious food and drink. Of course. Of course. Of course. It's a given. Um, and I want to make sure that people know that we are also running the marathon. I am running the marathon. Sean is running the marathon. We have a group of war runners that are running the marathon and we are gladly accepting donations for our run and all donations go to our nonprofit that will be funding the mental health, uh, uh, the therapy programs for restaurant workers. And you can donate on our website. Fabulous. And I would be remiss if I did not ask for donations on this, on this uh, show. So yes. And of course, um, <laughs> thank you everyone. My, in my, um, my tip today was actually inspired by the training I've been seeing you do for the marathon. <laughs> oh, I was, that's, wow. I, was, I was thinking of you when I wrote that because I know you've been working, working very hard to, to, um, putting these long been. miles and I've been very impressed. Thanks. Um, so Thanks. It's been really exciting. You know, I think I mentioned earlier, like the first marathon I did when I was 30 and I was running and I was in a lot better shape then. And then, um, I hadn't run in a long time, but like many people during COVID started running and, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to be um, uh, breaking any records. That's for sure. I just got my start time and I'm starting in the last possible group. <laughs> I'm with it, the people that don't expect it, it, to finish. It does not matter. It does not matter. You're, 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 you're doing it. And that's, that's, yes, that just says a lot. So I will be rooting you on people. Thank you. For, and before we take a break, let me just ask you, I had two questions from my last guest mm -hmm. on episode 301. I had on mm -hmm. chef and founder Omar Tate and his wife and business partner, Chef Sybil St. Odd Tate of Honeysuckle, which is a food-focused community center in their neighborhood in West Philadelphia. So their mm -hmm. questions were, um, Omar asked, at Roar, what are the challenges for advocating for and connecting the dots for the needs of unemployed workers with politicians who don't spend that much time on the ground and especially with a restaurant uh, community that many don't speak English as their first language? And Seville also added to that one to know, as business owners, what are some ways they can prepare to lay someone off um, with whatever situations might come ahead? 
Do you have anything on, on those? Um, I mean, I would say if you're in a position that you can actually lay someone off, you're doing a lot better than most people because no, <laughs> no one can find anyone to work for them. Um, I am certainly, I'm not an operator, so I don't know that I can comment on best practices for HR, but, um, and with regard to the first, um, first part of the question and dealing with communities where people don't speak English, I think it's important to work with you know, local community organizations that can support you and uh, where people feel comfortable going and meeting and um, where there potentially there's translators available and getting into the community and, and um, understanding where they are so that, that everyone feels comfortable um, sharing what their real um, problems may be. I think a lot of uh, marginalized communities don't communicate the same way um, they don't, they know, social media, email, it's not really very common. So getting out, like actually physically going to a community and meeting with people and being with them, whether you speak their language or not, or bring a translator, I think that goes a long way to really understanding, um, understanding people and what their needs are. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, and on that note, Let's take a little break and we'll come back and we'll play my speed round. I have industry news discussion. We'll we have some news this week we'll discuss, mm-hmm. my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Wisconsin, the state of cheese, makes half of the nation's specialty cheese and wins more awards than any other state or country. Our heritage and traditions, master cheesemaker program, and the American propensity for innovation all put Wisconsin on the cutting wedge of cheesemaking. With over 600 varieties of cheese to choose from and 5,500 national and international awards and counting, Get ready to turn your refrigerator into a trophy case. Enjoying a Wisconsin cheese is basically like winning a gold medal in culinary achievement. Set your mind at cheese. When you bite into a wedge of Wisconsin Wonderful, you know it is made with the ultimate skill and passion possible. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Andrea Strong. She's the executive director of Roar, a community of hospitality leaders advocating for New York City's independent restaurant industry and creating a path to a sustainable future. Um, and Andrea, before we do my speed round, tell Roar, what does it, uh, what does it stand for? It starts for, st- starts for, it stands for restaurants, Organizing, advocating, and rebuilding. Cool. Yeah. Hear us roar. (laughs) That's right. All right. So it's time for my speed round. So what this is, is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. So there's a choice. Oh, okay. Okay. So you ready? I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant. Eat out. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Alfresco. 
wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, at home, wine, when I'm out, a cocktail, and then wine. <laughs> Love it. How about tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Both. <laughs> I don't know if that's a choice. Well, it's, it's a it's choice. not really a decision. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, small plates, especially at Chouquette. Oh, oh I, love, I love being specific there. Okay. Um, how about tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. <laughs> um, cool. Um, peeling carrots or dressing up like a carrot? <laughs> dressing up like a carrot. <laughs> Did you see me when I was dressed up as a carrot on the news? I saw a photo. I saw a photo. <laughs> um, yeah, well, there was, I mean, in, for context, I think uh, it was for school, something to do with school yes. lunches and yes. healthy eating was yes. the reasoning behind it. Yes, I was at City Hall to testify in favor of a nutrition bill, um, and I was dressed as a carrot and interviewed on television. My children were... were they still laugh about it. I thought I looked okay. I have a very good carrot face. I have like a long, long, thin face. I think I naturally look like a carrot. <laughs> um, well, um, I don't know. I just thought it was a fun <laughs> question. And I, I skipped a regular totally. one. Of mine. Um, how about um, uh, uh, um, communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. All right. Um, running outdoors or on a treadmill? Outdoors, totally. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Okay, two more. Uh, cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan or Brooklyn? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, cool. baby. <laughs> I was born in Queens. I lived in Manhattan for most of my single life and in Brooklyn for my parenthood life. And it's, it's definitely home. There you go. I've been in Manhattan since 98. So I don't know, maybe one day I'll move to Brooklyn. Maybe Who knows? Who knows? You travel everywhere. You, you know, you eat everywhere, you go out everywhere. So home is home. I do move around and home is home. Um, cool. Okay. So for industry news, uh, restaurant review in the New York Times today, I figured we could talk about entitled 11 Madison Park Explores the Plant Kingdom's Uncanny Valley. Now vegan, Daniel Holmes' acclaimed restaurant does strange things to vegetables. This is by Pete Wells. Um, mm. I mean, there were a lot of zingers in this. Uh, yeah, this was almost like the senior, was it senior frog? What was the, uh, the, the guy uh, here? Well, Senior Frogs was an entertaining uh, one. And then the, what was the one with yeah, Guy Fieri? That yeah, was Guy like Fieri. Down. Um, um, I mean, he's not giving stars right now. So uh, EMP has a, currently has a four-star rating. From reading this review, it did not sound like no. a four-star rating from Pete. Um, no, it sounded like, version. I mean, one star, maybe. <laughs> I mean the the line about the beat, yeah. It <laughs> the, was the beat at Eleven Madison Park tastes like lemon pledge and smells like a burning joint. I mean, that yeah, the, it was harsh. That's harsh. Uh, it was yeah, 
it was um Very it was interesting to me though that he did i was well he referred also at the beginning of that part to uh a beat that was similar at agern which was a restaurant mm -hmm. in grand central terminal that i had dined at and i'd had the beat there the beat there was sensational um mm -hmm. i haven't been to the new um 11 madison park so i i don't i don't have my own opinion on the beat there but um, I mean, I, I mean, my, my, I'm a huge fan of Daniel Hume and his, the, what he does. And I, I think I, my take of this was that it was like, maybe he was trying to do too much to vegetables rather than mm -hmm. enjoy vegetables for their like natural beauty. Yeah. Agree. Agree. I mean, look, I think there's a couple of things that, uh, I definitely agreed with in this review. I, um, I think that Pete's point about um, if if you go vegan, then you are not supporting so many independent small family farms in our region. And that is essential. The restaurants support small family farms and that's eating, uh, you know, animals that are properly cared for and beautifully raised is very different than serving a menu full of factory farmed poultry. Um, so I, I think it's a false um, choice to say, you know, if you, you, you have to be vegan because if, you're, if you serve meat, you're not serving the environment. I, I don't agree with that. I think Pete's right. You know, there are many, many chefs, you know, you and I, could, could rattle off a dozen of them off the top of our head. Mark Meyer, Peter Hoffman, um, you know, yeah, uh, Missy, Missy Robbins, uh, Hillary Sterling, um, Alex Rage, who, whose foundation of their menus rests in the cradle of our, of our state and, and in supporting those farms. You don't have to be vegan to support farms and, and climate change and be sort of a good citizen. Um, and, um, you know, I think the other thing is, yeah, he, he's maybe like really overthinking vegetables. Um, and it's a shame because the man is wildly talented, right? I mean, his food yeah. Yeah. is among the best. Um, and uh, um, so I'm sure it was a, a really hard to read by his team, right? Um, yeah, I'm sure they were. I feel for them. They were I feel for them. Happy with that. And I do I think, I feel like right now for me, um, I want to go out and support restaurants as much as possible. But I also want to go out and have those really like spectacular dining experiences that I think normally I would have saved for a special occasion. But now I want to do, you know, on a Tuesday night because I am so tired of cooking for myself or, you know, just eating sort of casual dinners. I went to Saga a few weeks ago, um, Jeff Katz's oh, nice. new restaurant. Oh my God. I mean, it's like a holiday. It's a vacation. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel better. You leave that restaurant like so much happier and relaxed and grateful than when you arrive. It is a gorgeous experience. And I know 
you know, it's very, I'm very privileged to be able to, to do those sorts of dinners. But I do think that a restaurant like 11 Madison Park is one that I would want to try, you know, and, and go back to. But this review is like, I don't, I don't know. And um, I, I wonder, and I wonder what you think about this, whether this, this review will um, impact the restaurant and whether Daniel will maybe go to like, okay, we have a vegan tasting menu or, uh, you know, we're bringing back the other one. I wonder what you think about that. Yeah. I, not sure. I mean, from what I understand, they have a, a long wait list and there's huge demand to go okay. to dine so there. And I don't, per, I, I don't think, I don't think this review is going to change that in mm-hmm. my opinion. I do, though, think, and I would, I think I thought this before this review, I think at some point he will bring back meat and fish. I mean, I'll just say it like, like Arpege in Paris is known for that. Um, They were all vegetarian and then they, they brought it, they brought back some meat and fish. So we'll Mm -hmm, see. mm -hmm. Maybe he won't. Um, I saw, I mean, also in this article, he put, Pete post, uh, pointed out that for their private dining, that they are offering meat to guests, which I didn't know about before reading this. Yeah. Um, that was interesting. And mm-hmm. I saw on their, on their, um, on 11 Madison Park's um, Instagram, I mean, they, they had a post the other day, I think it was before the review, just saying that they're not anti-meat, they're pro-planet. And so I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Again, I think that's a false choice. I think that, Yes, factory farm meat absolutely um, impacts, you know, the environment. But there are ways to farm that do not. And those people are our farmers in New York State and in the Hudson Valley and in New Jersey, northern New Jersey. I mean, we it's uh, we've got a lot of um, amazing farmers and growers that that um, depend on us. Yeah. Um, And. I mean, I'm still like I, I still want to go, and and I'm I mean, as I said, like I have huge respect for Daniel Hume and his whole team. I mean, having dined there in the past, it's just it's a magical experience, and mm-hmm. and also, and as you mentioned, Saga, like I'm with you. I want to. I mean, you know, I love dining out and sporting yeah. restaurants, and it, you can't. Some of these are this. These are splurges, but it's like. Sometimes you gotta you gotta splurge. Yeah, I mean, day. honestly, like to be able to get dressed up and uh-huh. you know, it, it's it's fun. Yeah, and we need fun. And isn't this the year of yes? I mean, I was talking to my friend Jamie about that last week. Like, there's a you know outdoor concert. Yes, you know exhibit. Yes, <laughs> you yes. want to go for a bike ride. Yes, you know it is yeah. the year of yes. Anything. Yeah, you want to learn the trapeze? Uh, maybe not, but yes. I mean, it's uh, yes, yes. I'm, 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 I'm all for that, and you know, and um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I wish. I don't know. I wish he can be the best, and and I think, I think, Me I think Wells just calls it like he sees it. So, yes, um, totally. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I think is like, I, I think Pete's a great writer, um, but he's been the reviewer for a long time now. I, I feel like he's maybe been, is this the longest tenured? I mean, I don't know been, how many, I don't it's know. So it's like, 
point, I think Bernie was um, about five. You think usually the restaurant reviewers... I think it's more than five. I don't know. Yeah, I think so too. But and I think that's... Um, I'm not sure. Well, maybe, I mean, it's an interesting time though too with the New York times because they, they stopped doing the stars um, since Mm -hmm. the pandemic and a lot of publications like either announced they're not going to do stars anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the New York times will bring back stars, but when, if, and when, so we'll have to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, Cool. Well, and so, and just the other, just industry news, I'll just announce because mm-hmm. we're running a little short on time, but um, just I saw a piece on, on CNBC actually was covered in a lot of publications about how New York mm-hmm. City passes bills offering protections to food delivery workers. Uh, that piece was by Samantha Subin. And um, this is really good news for food delivery workers as their conditions have not been great. And these bills mm-hmm. are, haven't well, improving them for them and just giving, you know, even allowing them now to use the bathroom at the restaurants they deliver from and, and just some giving them some, some new rights. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So that was big news this week as well. Okay. So for my solo dining experience, um, share experience I had at Mm -hmm. one white street. So here's the rundown, the location one White Street, Tribeca, New York City. The concept, it's a neighborhood restaurant with a reimagined dining experience. It's not taking itself too seriously. It's ingredient-driven and globally inspired food. The owners are Master Sommelier Dustin Wilson and Chef Austin Brian Johnson. Why did I go? Well, it's a new spot. Sounded great. And actually, I met Dustin Back when I had dined at 11 Madison Park many years ago, he had he was mm-hmm. working there at the time as a sommelier. So, so um, tie, tie it all together there. Yeah. Um, my experience. So I was just down in the Tribeca neighborhood and I spontaneously went as an early walk-in. They have two, basically they have two restaurants in the space. Downstairs is a walk-in a la carte menu and upstairs is a reservation six course tasting menu. Um, so I was going to go downstairs um, outside. The hostess was checking uh, COVID vaccination, which is required here in New York. And um, once I showed her mine, I was let in. I got a nice seat at the little chef's counter they have. I had a great time. It was like a good energy and good chatting with the bartender, Jordan, and the people around me. Um, so I, I had a good experience. Uh, what did I get? So I went light. I just got two small plates. I got the shaved fennel with uzu vinaigrette, blue cheese, white anchovy, and candied pistachios. And I got grilled scallop skewers with summer squash, toasted pumpkin seeds, and farm pesto. My take, mm. both were fantastic. I mean, like really flavorful, delicious. Um, I loved it. Like I want to go back and have more. Mm-hmm. The ambiance. So it's like a modern, chic, and welcoming space. It's 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 quaint um, downstairs. It's it's uh, sitting at the chef's counter, which they're doing um, the menu, the food downstairs. Um, that kitchen's only doing downstairs, apparently. Which I, upstairs they have a different kitchen. I didn't go upstairs and see it, but that's how it's set up. And it's in an historic townhouse um, in Tribeca, and they also have outdoor. Dining, nice. uh, seating on the, and it's like a corner. So it's a cool spot. 
Uh, I'd say it's perfect for solo diners at the bar or a date night. Interesting tidbit, uh, one White Street's evolving menu focuses on exceptional ingredients organically grown and sourced year-round from Rigger Hill Farm in Columbia County, New York. Personal fun fact, um, I was recently down in Tribeca another night and I spontaneously stopped into Frenchette and had a solo dinner at the bar. And I've been to Frenchette many times, but I realized it was my first time going solo. So um, I, it's, it's, it's right. It's right by there. It's a really cool like strip of restaurants because uh, Batard is in between. So it's a, I like that Tribeca neighborhood. Another personal fun fact talking about, you know, year of yes, is Mm -hmm. I decided to go uptown on my way home and I stopped in Times Square and I rode around on the Ferris wheel that was temporarily in Times Square. Oh, wow. It was fun. I made like a reel on Instagram, which I haven't done many reels, but I just, I I was, yeah, I'm like, I'm that person. I don't think it is. I think it was like a month, maybe. I was like around 47th Street. So we were just at the top of Times Square. And it was it was fun. I don't know. It was cheesy, but it was fun. So, so great. Um, that was my evening. That's how I, that's how I roll in New York City. Um, the cost of my meal was $40, not including tax gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, I already said I would. And their website mm-hmm. is one whitestreetnyc.com and that's all spelled out uh, with one is spelled out and Instagram one white street. There you go. That's great. Thanks. I, I'm going to put that on my list. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I, I, I think that's great. And that, yeah, I'd like to go back upstairs at some point and do the tasting menu. Um, Cause I think it's a, from what I was told, it's a completely different menu um, that they're doing and I'm sure it's great. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Sheldon Simeon. He is the chef and owner of Tin Roof, which is a new generation mom and pop restaurant in Maui, Hawaii. Sheldon's going to be in town, so I'm very excited to see him in person. Uh, Andrea, can you please ask a question for Sheldon? Oh, um, wow. Uh, uh, Sheldon, would you ever consider opening a restaurant in New York City? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see what he says. Yeah. Funny, because I had visited um, Maui many, many years ago, and my I loved it so much, I was thinking I, I could open a second branch of Bayer PR in Maui. <laughs> yes. Like, like if I'm going to, if I'm going to grow the business, why don't we right, do exactly, that? Exactly. <laughs> so we'll like see if it. someone wants to come here. Yeah. <laughs> the same reasons. Yeah, for sure. I've never been to Hawaii, but oh, it looks okay. nice. Maui, Maui to me was just magical. It was just so gorgeous and I didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, I can see why I'm a yeah, big fan yeah. of the sea. So, yeah, and I don't think his restaurant was open when I was there, but um, I'm looking forward to talking to him even just about what the restaurant scene and has, is mm-hmm. like now and, and um, how it's been, you know, through COVID. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure it saw some uh, some dips with the travel, um, you know, being yeah. impeded by the pandemic. Right. 
Right. Uh, this was so much fun. I loved our chat. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Me too. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I wish you much continued success with all your initiatives and everything you're doing with Roar and all the best in the marathon. You're going to do fantastic. Thanks, Sherry. I, I hope so. Uh, I know so. I have to just keep you, saying that. Yes. I know so. I will finish. <laughs> Of course you will. I am. You're already. I don't know. You've you're running marathons every week when you're. I mean, yeah. I did 18 miles on Sunday, but it was not pretty at the end. That's, that's impressive. So you'll do great. And Thanks. We will be cheering you on. Thanks, and I, I hope everyone listening will check out our website and learn more about our our programs and advocacy and um, uh, be in touch. Yes, I'll I'll give people the rundown now of where to find you. So my guest Great. today has been Andrea Strong. She's the executive director of Roar, a community of hospitality leaders advocating for New York City's independent restaurant industry and creating a path to a sustainable future. Her website is andreastrong.com and Roar is roarnewyork.org. And you can follow her and Roar at, at strongbuzz underscore and at Roar dot n y and also the hashtag run for restaurants i saw that on your website mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you can follow me at sherry bayer at bayer pr and at all industry my facebook page is all in the industry my websites are bayerpublicrelations.com sherrybayer.com and all in the industry.com all of our shows are archived at heritageradionetwork.org we are also on itunes stitcher and spotify thanks to my engineer today kevin and thanks again to andrea I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. I'm Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.